Well, last week we uh, started our series, Learning to Be Spiritual, Five Godly Practices That Will Change Your Life. And, uh, and I'm encouraged by this series, and uh, uh, the privilege of preaching is always a, such an amazing privilege. But um, last week we, we had a challenge, and the challenge was this, pick a day and pray. And not just one day, but do it every single day. Now the question for many of us, or not the question, but what I've realized is some of us did a really good job at that. Every single day, you picked that day and you prayed. You're like spot on. You, you, you did great. Others, on the other hand, didn't do so well. It's more sporadic. And then there's the other group where you just forgot. Anybody here just forget? Just kidding. Don't, don't need to raise your hand. But we challenge you to, to pray, challenge all of us to pray. So wherever you are, though, if you forgot to pray, if you're sporadic, remember, it's never too late to say, all right, here we go. This week I'm going to try it again, and I'm going to get on board with prayer. Because what spiritual disciplines are all about, putting ourselves in that position for God to do something in and through our lives. And so to kind of bring this idea of um, spirituality and of prayer full circle, what I want to do is invite my wife, Kaz, to come up, and she's going to share a little bit about prayer and how that has changed our family. Now, if you don't know, Kaz is an ordained pastor, so she makes me call her most holy reverend Kaz at home. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I do, and I just say, yes, dear, yes, reverend. That's right, and if you call me that too, uh, I'd be happy with that, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Um, well, hi, church. I am really excited to share with you just a little bit about prayer and kind of um, how that's impacted my life or our lives, really, our family's life, um, and especially kind of over a, a two-year period. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, I, about two years ago, was a pastor on staff at a church. I uh, was really busy, working all the time. I had two little ones back then, and I didn't see the kids very often, and they're in daycare a lot, and I was, you know, doing ministry and uh, always at meetings and church events and functions, and I was exhausted. I was really tired, and I found that God was starting to speak to me about uh, taking some time off and taking a break, and um, not just a quick break, but actually resigning and having some real time to rest. And at first, I did not like that idea, so I kind of ignored it <laughs> and kind of wrestled with that, but eventually gave in to obeying what God had asked me to do. And, and resigned. And so that kind of gave me a little bit more time to spend with the kids, get some rest, but also, wait a minute, I had kids, I wasn't really resting now that I think about it, but, um, <laughs> you know, a little bit of rest. Um, but then also it gave me time to pray. And at the time, I was really passionate about becoming consistent in prayer because I'd been really inconsistent, you know, and as a pastor, you're supposed to be consistent, right? You're supposed to be praying and reading the Bible all the time, but I was so busy that I wasn't doing that as often as I wanted to. And so I kind of made this decision, I was just going to spend time with God every day, and I was going to do it every single day, not miss a day, you know, I just wanted to have that kind of set. And so, you know, sort of praying about that and deciding to do that, my friend was reminding me, like, you know, it's just like going to the gym, just get in your car and drive there. And once you're there, you're, you're likely to go in, you know, but just, just get in your car and do it. So it's kind of like just show up, just set that time aside and show up to pray and read the Bible and you'll, you'll do something, you know. So if you can just do that, that's a good way of thinking about it. So I began to do that. I began to show up every single day, not miss a day, whether I felt like it or not. And there were some days I did not feel like it, but I forced myself, you know, and and so what I found that after a while is that God began to actually do some really cool things in our lives 
um, because of this kind of just increased connection with him. The first was that, um, you know, there were different things that I was struggling with at the time, and he began to heal me from different things. And one of those things was that I really had a hard time with negative thinking, uh, and not just, you know, where a thought would come every now and again, it would sort of just be negative. I mean, I was bombarded with negative thoughts from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed, and it was all day long, and it was about myself, about my future, about, you know, our family, about, you know, my role in the world and things like that. And it was, it was very difficult to, to overcome those. And so I just really began to pray with a friend of mine about that and, um, as well. And one morning I woke up and my mind was completely peaceful. Like, there were no negative thoughts, none. You know, and I, of course we all get the, the odd negative thought, but, I mean, it was just night and day difference for me. And it was truly a miracle. And God just healed me of that, among other things. Second thing I noticed was that uh, I began to have a real joy and a real happiness, and I had never experienced that my entire life. Um, you know, I'd struggled with depression on and off throughout my life, and um, happiness was something that I just had never been able to say I had. And I remember turning to Brian one day and saying, I'm happy. Like, I'm actually happy in this moment. I was content. And we had need of things. We were living in Orange County with, you know, one salary at this point, and there were things we needed and wanted and we didn't have. And, but to be able to say, you know, but I'm happy right now, I have a happiness, that was what happened through prayer and through this increased connection with God. The third thing that happened um, kind of as a result of this season in my life of just really pursuing God was that God began to unlock the doors to our future. So when I first resigned, you know, I began to think about, well, if I'm not ministering at this particular church, where does God want me to go next? What does he want us to do as a family? And I really began to sense that God was telling me we were going to be moving to somewhere brand new and that we'd be in a brand new home, a brand new church, brand new state, and he'd have a brand new job. And that was kind of pretty far-fetched at the time because he loved his job at Hope and had talked about not wanting to leave there or anything like that. But I just really sensed that there was going to be this fresh start for us and so began to pray more about that. One day, and actually I kind of wondered, well, how am I going to talk to Brian about this? Because I know he doesn't want to leave, you know. But then one day, he turns around and just says to me out of nowhere, hey, you know what, I could get a lead pastor job and maybe leave Hope. And I was just kind of floored by that because that was just, God had been speaking to him as I'd been praying, which was just kind of cool. And we began to sort of um, go on this journey of figuring out where does God want us? And we would pray and um, there was a lot of time that went by. This was over like a two-year period. But we checked out a few different churches that had jobs for Brian, and nothing really seemed quite right, you know. And um, one day, we just randomly get this phone call out of nowhere again, and they said, hey, there's a potential job for Brian in Hawaii being a lead pastor. Would he even be interested? And immediately, we said, yes, <laughs> it's Hawaii, <laughs> hello. Uh, but, you know, then kind of thought, well, hang on, you know, it is Hawaii. It's beautiful, but it's far away. It's, we don't know the culture very well. We... We want to be effective if that's where we were to go. And so we began to pray about that. And we weren't really thinking that seriously about, about Hawaii as an option. Well, we got the invitation to sort of come over and at least visit. And so we jumped on a plane, came over. And within the first 30 minutes of meeting with Dee and Ron and Norman, the head elder, we both knew this is actually where we're meant to be. We just had this sort of, this is it. You know, we, we really believe that. So we kind of went home and we're like, well, okay, this is it. We, gotta, we need some things to change real fast because there were just different challenges we had. And so we continued to pray. One day we were given this sum of money that was completely unexpected, was quite large, and it was, uh, enabled us to pay off 
a certain amount of debt that we really couldn't have moved to Hawaii if we had, you know, based on just the expense of living here. And so that was just kind of one miraculous thing. Another thing was that we had to find somewhere to live here if we were to come. And so we, I saw somewhere online. It was the first place I saw, and I loved it. It was, you know, perfect. And I thought, oh, you know, the chances are that it's available is probably not very good. Well, Brian and I called the landlords, and they said to us, we've had a lot of people through this place, uh, but, you know, we've kind of been waiting for the right people, and we just haven't found the right people to move in yet. We wanted to sort of wait until we got someone right. And we actually feel like you guys are the right family. It's kind of weird, you know. <laughs> and uh, they were willing to wait another two months of getting no rent just to have us move in because they felt we were the right people. You know, so that stuff is God. He lines those things up for us and provides for us in miraculous ways when we pray, when we're obedient to his call, and when we sort of step out in faith. And so, you know, those are just some of those things that God really did in this season of our lives. I can say that we've, we're in a different place now because of this season of prayer and I just want, if I can encourage you with one thing, um, firstly, ladies, like, if you get praying, we are really the thermostat in our home, and when we pray and when we connect with the Lord, it changes not just us, but it changes our family. I found that there was not just a joy in me, but a joy in my kids, you know, a joy in all of us. We had more fun together. We'd pray together more. So it's just so important, women. We have such an important role in our families, um, but also, you know, just show up to meet with God, you know, as often as you can. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be, you know, extensive. You can just show up and read a, a devotional one time. It doesn't have to be the Bible even sometimes, you know. But just do whatever you can to connect with God and grow near to him. And he'll begin to answer your prayers and do really amazing things in your life just as he's done in ours. So That's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Um, the, the, the bummer is now you have to listen to me for a little bit <laughs> after listening to Gaz. Thank you, Gaz. Um, and there's so much more we want to share about that, but the whole idea is that God answers prayer. He is a God who was, you know, has been around. He has no beginning, no end. He is the living God, as Scripture says. And if he is a living God, what does that mean? It means that he can still move and do things within our lives. And so let's hold on to that promise and let's keep praying. And if, like I said, if you forgot to pray, like, oh, I totally forgot to pray. It's okay. Start somewhere. And, um, and if you don't get our email updates, sometimes I'll send out reminders. Make sure on the card in front of you, you write, hey, you know, your email address. So we'll send you out those reminders as a way of staying on track and then always check out our website as it's going to be, it's continually updating. Right now it's probably week to week it updates. So make sure you check it out on what's going on. But let's, let's go from prayer to fasting, which is, which is pretty much the same, very similar um, in, in many respects. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And this whole series, the, the How to Learn to Be Spiritual, comes from a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, I think there's two or four million copies in print. It, it, it first came out 40 years ago. It is a classic now in spiritual disciplines. And it's a great introductory book to the spiritual disciplines, and I highly recommend you read it. If you read it and follow along, um, there are some people who do that. They'll read it, they'll follow along with it, and then with the sermon. So you hear the sermon, you read the words, you practice it. It's just a, a great way of doing it. Um, so make sure you check that book out. But here we go. Is fasting a command? Some of us are saying, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know about you, I like food a lot. So let's see if fasting is a command. When you fast, say the word when. Oh, come on, come on, come on. When you fast, say the word when. when. 
When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, say the word when. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that, it will not, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm going to read the same passage in Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase. And it is a unique way of looking at this passage. Here's what it says in the message in Matthew chapter 6. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline, do better, concentrate on God. Don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outward. Now here is perhaps the best advice for all of us. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. Pretty good. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. So the answer to the question, is fasting a command? It's kind of like a maybe. It's It's like, what do you mean? Well, in that passage in Matthew 6 there, it says when. When you fast, it's, it's almost like it's the assumption that these are what you do as followers of Jesus. Some things we do. We pray as followers of Jesus. We fast as followers of Jesus. We give as followers of Jesus. It's just assume that because of the grace and love we received of God, that our natural response is going to be to fast, is going to be to give, is going to be to pray, is going to be to serve, is going to be to care for others. That's the natural response. And so is it a command, yes or no? I think it's beyond a command. It's more like this is what we do. And then what we see in the Bible is we see different um, different ways of fasting. So we have like um, the normal fast in the Bible. And the normal fast is called the normal fast because this is the most common fast in the Bible. The normal fast is when you fast from food and drinks except for water. So you might go a meal, two meals, three meals. You might go a few weeks. You might go a few days. This is the normal fast. This is the fast that Jesus did in in Luke chapter 4. He went to the wilderness to prepare for ministry. 40 days he fasted, and it's, presume, it's, it's assumed that, that he had water during that 40 days. And during that 40 days there, he was tempted three times by the devil. And each time he was tempted, he referred back to the Bible and says, but Scripture says this. And that was the normal fast. It was fasting from food, but having water. Then there's also what's called a partial fast. A partial fast is just that, where you, part, where you fast from something. So maybe it is a, a, a food item. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's um, TV. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's sugar. That would be really hard to fast from because sugar isn't everything. So, so that's a partial fast. And what we see here in the partial fast is... Um, is 
is, is we have an account of Daniel in the Bible. Daniel fasted, did all these crazy fasts, and God blessed him in so many different ways. But there was a time when he did a partial fast, and, uh, and here's, here's what we see. Um, and, and what's interesting, it was his custom, Daniel's custom, to do the normal fast that we see in the Bible. But there was a three-week period he did a fa- partial fast. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, we see this. I ate no choice food, no meat, or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So for three weeks, he did a partial fast. Now, there's also another fast. It's called an absolute fast. This is where you fast from food and water. It's not recommended you do this more than three days because I think after three days you're dead. So, because we need water. And so, an absolute fast, usually something at this extreme when there's like a crisis coming. We see in Scripture different crises coming. There would be a call for a fast. And sometimes it was an absolute fast. You might remember the account of Esther. Esther was this amazing woman who became the queen of the, uh, of the king of Persia. And, and, um, and then there's this, he had an assistant who was high in, in influence, and he didn't like the fact that the Jews, Esther was a Jew, the Jews didn't bow down to Mordecai. And he's like, nah, we ain't having that. And he was kind of arrogant, pompous, and he had power, and so he got the king to sign this decree that basically all the Jews are going to be killed and annihilated. It's going to be genocide. And so when she found out about this and her, her, her uh, uncle found out about this, her uncle Mordecai, here's what Esther instructed her uncle Mordecai with these words in Esther 4.16. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a woman of faith. What a woman of faith who who said, I am going to fast and go to the king. Now, we must understand, you couldn't just go to the king. Like, the king was the king, and you couldn't walk into it even though they were married. And together, the king had to invite you into his chambers to say, come talk to me. Now, husbands, try that at home. <laughs> How would that work? You'd be busted. Anyways, don't try it at home. It's not even a good idea. So, so, so she says, fast for three days, and if I die, I die. But I'm going to do what is right in the eyes of of God, and I'm going to do what I can do to save the nation because of her faith, because of a nation fasting. God heard and God answered their prayers where the king's heart was changed and saved her entire nation. That is the power of fasting and the power of faith. And this is a woman that we should look at and go, wow, she is a great example of faith. So those are some examples, different types of faith or different types of fasting. We have normal fasting, we have partial fasting, we have absolute fast. And then let's really talk about what is the purpose of fasting. Sometimes to talk about what something is, it's, it's good to talk about what it isn't. So here's what fasting is not. When we fast, we are not buying God off. When we fast, we're not earning righteousness. It's not like if I fast for four days, then I'm going to be like right in the eyes of God. 
And I'm going to be like, look at me, God. I'm great. Look at me, everybody. I'm amazing. We, we don't fast to earn righteousness, to earn like credit in God's eyes, so to speak. We, we, and we don't fast to get God to do what we want. It's not like, God, I really want that Mercedes. God, I really want that boat. I'm going to fast for it. And this is the entire point. Here's what fasting is. Richard Foster says this. Fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated and God-ordained. Like the prophetess Anna, we need to be a worshiping, we need to be worshiping with fasting. Every other purpose must be subservient to God. Like that apostolic band at Antioch, fasting and worshiping must be said in the same breath. Richard Foster said that in his book, Celebration of Discipline. So here's the purpose of fasting. It is to focus on God so he is lifted up. The purpose of fasting is to focus on God so he is lifted up. Fasting is saying, God, I acknowledge you are king. I acknowledge that you hold all things in your hand. I acknowledge that you are eternal, that you are love, and, and I am not. I acknowledge that. That's what fasting is all about. It's praising God, worshiping God, saying, God, you are all of those things Scripture says. That's the primary focus, to let God know our heart is, belongs to him and that he has all the honor and praise. Now, once we understand the primary purpose, there are secondary purposes to fasting. Because when we fast, fasting does a number of things. Number one, fasting reveals what controls us. So if we have pride in our lives, we have lust in our lives, we have jealousy in our lives, we have envy in our lives, we have hate in our lives. Fasting reveals that. And here's why. Because it is easy to cover up the stuff that we don't like in our lives. So we could cover up with food, we could cover up with, with, with drinks, we could cover up with drugs, we could cover up with, um, you, we fill in the blank there. But when we fast from these things, these things start to come to the surface. And sometimes it's not pretty. But that's okay. Because then we come to the point when we can start working through some of the stuff in our lives. Start working through the junk and the hurt in our lives. And then start seeing the Holy Spirit really mending and bringing healing in our lives. That's one of the beauty, uh, beautiful things of fasting is that we reveal what, what controls us. And then fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that comes from God. We are sustained by every word that comes from God. In fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the Word of God. Fasting is feasting. Fasting is feasting. In John 4, the disciples went in. Um, Jesus and disciples were at this, at this well in Sychar, and then... Um, and they went in to go get some food at the store. So they headed to the Safeway down the street there. You didn't know they had Safeway back then? You guys got to read the Bible. Come on now. So they, they went to the store to get food, and they brought back food to Jesus. Uh, and, you know, some time had passed, and they said, Jesus, you know, here's some, you know. Oh, I was trying to think of all these like cool like foods in my mind. I'm like masalas, uh, sushi, anyways, whatever. 
They brought back food that was appropriate to that culture in that time to Jesus. And then Jesus says this. Jesus says this, all right? He didn't eat anything, but he says, I have food you know nothing about. And the disciples start thinking, what do you mean I have food you know nothing about? Like, did someone bring you some carne asada or something? Like, what are we missing here? But in John chapter 4, he says this, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus believed that the word of God was what sustained him. Jesus believed that feasting on the word of God is what sustained him. It wasn't like a trite saying, but he literally was living on God's word. And he, in fact, was and is the word of God. So fasting is feasting. And it reminds us that we are sustained from every word that comes from the mouth of God. But fasting also allows us to be free. Because what happens in our lives is we have this, this balance of physical and spiritual. The spiritual life is over here, but lots of times we focus way more on the physical side of things. We focus on the food. We focus on the drinks. We focus on what we're going to do. We focus on the exercise. And what we do is over here, we, we neglect the spiritual. So we're, it's like amnemic, you know, in terms of the spiritual realm. What fasting does is it helps us realize to put things into balance, the physical and the spiritual. We are physical beings, but yet at the same time, we are spiritual. Because if we believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, the Holy Spirit lives within inside of us. The Bible says we are the temple. So there is that spiritual aspect to us. But lots of times we focus too much on the physical and not enough on the spiritual. And it's not easy though it's not easy because we live in the physical so to see the spiritual it's kind of challenging but 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 this discipline of fasting puts us in the position remember to allow God to work in and through us and so let's discuss next on how to fast how should we fast how should we fast Go ahead and pull this card in your um, programs there, in your bulletins. And on one side it says fasting. The other side says learning to be spiritual. But bring out the side that says fasting. And these are some ways of how we could fast. And the band could come up on this note here. Um, now remember fasting. I read this quote earlier. I'm going to read it again. Fasting must forever center on God. It must be God-initiated, God-ordained. Like the prophetess Anna, we need to be worshiping with fasting. Every other purpose must be subservient to God, like the apostolic band in Antioch, fasting and worshiping must be said in the same breath. And so as we talk about fasting, sometimes it's good to have some ways, good ways of how this could actually be done. And so number one is this, pick a day and time. Pick a day and time when you're going to fast. Maybe it's pick two days. Maybe it's three days. What are you going to fast? Is it going to be an absolute fast where you give up one meal or two meals or three meals? Is it going to be a partial fast where you say, I'm going to give up this and that? But whatever you do, if you're giving up food, make sure, you know, you talk to your physician because of health issues and, and all of that. It's always a wise thing to do. So if you're doing a partial fast, maybe you're giving up social media or sugar or TV or whatever it is, write it down. 
And then what I encourage everyone to do is find an accountability partner. Because what an accountability partner does is, is hold you accountable, holds us accountable. Hey, I'm going to fast this. It's not you bragging like, look at me, I'm all that, I'm going to fast. No, it's them holding you accountable with everything. And so pick a time and pick a day, write it down. Find someone, maybe a friend of yours, maybe a classmate of yours, maybe a spouse, whatever. But suggested items to fast from. Food. Television. Food. Everyone's like, I heard it. Food. Television. Smartphones. Video games. Social media. Internet. These are some things to fast from in terms of a partial fast. And then last, keep a journal of what God is doing in and through you during this time of fasting. And this week, let's do it. Make sure that we have your email because I'll send out a reminder because I love reminders because I forget things, you know. But send out, write down your email so we can send out a reminder to you so we have your information and always be checking the website for updated things like that. But we want to encourage all of us to pray because we want to be a church that puts us all of us, the body of Christ here, in a position for God to move in and through us so he gets the honor. Because at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ and what he did for us. And what we're saying is, God, we want to come before you, humbly before you, God. We love you so much. Amen? Let's stand and sing and praise to Jesus.